Tracy. And I'm Sharon. And this is our podcast. Feet of Clay Confessions of the Cult Sisters. Our last episode was part two of our conversation all about purity culture. We called it Virgins and Volcanoes because it did include literal virgins. That would be us. <laughs> yes. And proverbial volcanoes. Also known as the pre-dinner masturbation confession and so much more. <laughs> and if anybody doesn't know what that is referring to, you got to go back and listen to that other those other episodes. So we told the stories about our own engagements, our weddings, and our honeymoons. And now we are at part three of that topic. So if you haven't listened to it, as Sharon said, please go back and check out the first part and the second part. Again, we're going to give a little warning here. We are going to get very personal with our sexual histories. It's a big warning. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big warning. So if you have kids with you right now, you will probably want to come back to this later. And of course, if you are one of our kids, all 10 of you out there, you know who you are. Uh, Yeah. So you can make your own decisions, but listen at your own risk. You've been warned. (laughs) In all seriousness, to our collective kids, as well as their significant others, we are honestly totally okay with you listening here, but realize it is going to be quite detailed. So, you know, just saying. Mm And Tracy, also one thing we've talked about, and it's really, really important for us to emphasize every time, we are not trying to hurt anyone in this. And that includes our former spouses. Mm -hmm. So we're recounting what happened to us in our lives as a result of the messages and the belief system of fundamental Christianity, this purity culture thing, the whole spiel about husband headship and wifely submission Mm -hmm. and all that goes with it. Yes. And now that we're on the other side of it, and I know we've said it's been a few years since we've been on the (laughs) other side of it, uh, we can absolutely see the deep, deep damage that these beliefs caused absolutely in us, which we're going to be getting into in great detail. And then also they continue to cause harm today for lots of others. Yes. Yes. Those, Those who are currently immersed in purity culture, as well as those who are trying to come out of it. There's just, Mm -hmm. there's just so much damage. And we also believe that our first husbands, they were just as much victims of this extremism as we were. So even if they don't currently think so, and even Mm -hmm. if they still hold on to these beliefs, and Tracy, of course, our kids, our children, they were also negatively impacted and, and some much more deeply than others. Yes. And so in going through all this, we are doing our very best to be gracious and understanding and trying to be gentle with our stories. But Mm -hmm. also, we're going to be very honest and very transparent because these are things we struggled with. And I know I had deep, deep shame for a lot of this Mm. and wasn't able to talk to anybody about that. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that as we really go in and talk about some of the taboo topics that people don't talk about that that will, you know, help others to maybe recognize some of that and hopefully open up and talk to somebody. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I made this little note to myself because like before we started recording today, I suddenly remembered uh, the tagline for the last day's newsletter. I don't know if you recall, it's quote, a witness and a warning, end quote. Yes. So, <laughs> so I, I was thinking like here and now, we are bearing witness to our own <laughs> craziness and misery. 
And we are also shouting a warning to everyone else out there to stay the fuck away from this shit. Wow, that is ironic. It really it is. is. I think it I is. actually have a piece of artwork that has that, so I'll try to post that. I know, uh, the sleepy church. Find. Remember mm-hmm, the one with the I sleepy, yawning church? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, oh. I have that. And hey, that predated me, so I am not the one to blame for that particular <laughs> alliteration, just so you know. <laughs> it was the spirit of alliteration. I might have to drive that demon out, but for this episode, we'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. All right. Oh. Yeah, so in our last episode, if you were uh, paying attention, there is a pea trail, uh, the alliterative yes. pea trail, where we are talking about all of the peas of our journey. And uh, in the last episode, we ended with preparation, not Mm. preparation H for hemorrhoids, (laughs) but the preparation to um, end our virginity. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And so now- Oh my gosh. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? I never thought about it that way. The preparation to the end of virginity. Yes. And that's what it was. Wow. Yeah. Yes. It was the end of our virginity. And there was a lot of mental and supposedly some physical preparation. And we did start going through the pain, you know, and talked a little bit about, you know, the emotional pain and the physical pain of that. But in doing so, that pain didn't end just on those, that wedding night or that honeymoon. No, it didn't. And, and like, so there was both stuff that we did and stuff that we didn't do hmm, in getting ready, that right? reminds me of? What's that? The, the Keith Green song where the sheep and the goats for what they did and didn't do. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. That's like how you're going to be judged and whether you're going to heaven or hell. Okay. I remember it. I remember it. (laughs) All right. And, and, you know, when I was thinking about it more, I had originally just thought about the pain of that, that whole wedding night experience. But I also realized that the category of pain includes the increasing troubles over the next two decades of our marriages. And so we need to kind of pick up there where we left off. We'll, We'll continue with the pain. And then we'll talk about the parting. And finally, and thankfully, we'll talk about the after party. The after party. <laughs> party on. Yes. But before we pick it up from there, I just wanted again to let's circle back and touch on any things that we may have missed or want to clarify from that last episode. Great. Because one of the things I noticed when we had ended it, I think we were pretty emphatic about you don't want to be a virgin on your wedding night. Right. (laughs) Just want to clarify that absolutely it's your sex life and you get to determine your rules and your boundaries and do what you want to do. So that's not what we were saying at all. What we're trying to say is, hey, you don't have to be a virgin on your wedding night. And then we're going to tell you some of the reasons why. It should be an informed decision. So, you know, the idea of like, hey, make your own decision if you want to be a virgin or not. Yes. But it needs to be informed. And those people that are currently promoting purity culture, they are not telling you the whole truth. Maybe they're not even telling part of the truth, but you need to be informed. Yes. And if you really go into that, not even knowing how your body works, we're telling you that's not going to be a great experience. So, right. And most importantly, we're, we're standing against the message that you're used or spoiled or dirty or deflowered or spent or damaged that often goes along with losing your virginity. Right. And if you, you do even, you know, some, some Google work uh, on the internet, the, the language is changing with a lot of the younger generation and which I'm really, really grateful for. 
um, because you're you're not a piece of chewed up gum that hmm. now has no value. Uh, you're not losing anything, and people are calling it a sexual debut. I, we can come back to that. I don't know how I feel about that either. Because <laughs> to me, it still puts mm-hmm. a little bit of pressure on. It's just you know a normal entrance into understanding your sexuality. Right. Well, and and the belief system that emphasizes that importance and the virtue of being a virgin on your wedding night actually has the message that it is essential to be a virgin on your wedding night if you want to follow God's laws and be pleasing to Him. And that's the part that's so incredibly toxic. Amen, sister. Yeah, and I thought more about this fixation with purity, right? The veneration of virgins. All these things are coming to mind, like that phrase, yeah, he took her virginity. So so mm-hmm. it's a man taking from a woman, and now he gets to own something that once was hers. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's just that's just a fucked up mindset. It is. And it's not just in Christianity. So think about in, in Islam, that whole reward of that gets used to help promote the, what's the term for suicide and jihad? Is that what it is? But the 70 virgins, like if you sacrifice oh, yeah. yourself to the will of Allah, he's going to reward you with 70 virgins. And then the idea of virgin and child sacrifice that's that's well documented in other ancient cultures. Oh, wow. You know, and I, I posted a picture of you and I on our first communion. I pulled mine out. I was so glad that you found one of yours. And then when I looked at us both together, how old were you when you did your first communion? Oh my gosh, what are you, was, first grade? So like six years old? Yeah, maybe? I think I was 10, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. And just, you know, the memorization that we have to do of Hail Mary. And when I looked at us in our white little dresses with our veils and our prayer hands folded with the words, Hail Mary, full of grace and just mm-hmm. the veneration of the Virgin Mother. I was like, that's some screwed up shit. <laughs> well, well, it is. It is. And, and you know, if you think about it, if the Virgin Mary w- had the Immaculate Conception, I mm-hmm. remember not knowing what that meant for years, but basically <laughs> it means that she herself was conceived without her mother having sex. So her mother had to be a virgin too. And, you know, because I guess to be pure, a woman cannot have had sex. And Which is just so weird. It so. is. And, and the other thing recently I thought about is in that whole story of the supposed virgin birth of, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus. So the angel comes and tells Mary that God's going to impregnate her. He doesn't ask her. So that's non-consensual, isn't it? I mean, they just, she just got consensual. And we were growing up where this culture was the norm. And, you know, I realized afresh because obviously the decisions that we made then to kind of really go wholehearted after Jesus, um, we kind of discounted that part of our our childhood. But Mm -hmm. I mean, that was in all our symbology. If you go into a Catholic church, that's everywhere. I mean, I absolutely knew the term virgin mother um, when Mm -hmm. I was a young girl Mm -hmm. and just seeing even this whole, you know, ceremony of putting on this white dress. I was like, wow this definitely set the stage for us embracing some of the other stuff that we didn't question. You know, I think we talked about before, we didn't question the premise and we were conditioned Sharon from a very young age. We were, we were, you know, I, I think about your references to our early Catholic experiences and I do think there is some more excavation in my life (laughs) yet to come on that, Mm because I've kind of always shrugged it off, you know, like it was just superficial. I was in parochial school through second grade. But 
I have learned, my friend, that you are incredibly insightful. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to follow your lead on that in, in future exploration and see where it takes us. Oh, well, thank you. Very good. I was thinking again also about the whole, the Hollywood myth, you know, of, of, in the movies of tossing the virgin into the volcano to appease the angry gods. And like, <laughs> from what I understand of, you know, historical um, research that the volcano part is a myth, but that idea of sacrificing something pure for appeasement, pure. I mean, that, that is in a variety of cultures throughout the yes. ages. And then also, so here's another one I thought of, isn't that the essence of Jesus' sacrifice in all of Christianity? Because he's got to be that pure, spotless mm. lamb of God. Yes. And the Christian narrative mandates, therefore, that Jesus was a virgin. So Jesus was a virgin, 33-year-old Jesus virgin when he died. Was a virgin. <laughs> Which means, also, he could never have masturbated. I wonder, mm. did he ever have a wet dream? And what do you do with that? And then... Finally, mm. I'm like, why the fuck are the gods so angry anyway? And and if there's a <laughs> right, so there's a god yes. who made us and sets this whole thing oh. up. Does he have a right to be angry at us for what he designed? And it just makes me want to scream at how pervasive this whole Christian tradition and virgin purity culture and veneration. It just uh, start to finish. Ugh. Drives me yes, crazy. It does drive me crazy. And it's not just Christianity. You're right. It goes throughout almost every culture and all religious disciplines. And so, so all that to say, so that's not what we're yelling about is being a virgin <laughs> on your wedding night. It's the whole underpinning of what that supposedly means. Right. And I'll just say one last thing about it. It basically denies the value of full womanhood. Mm-hmm. It implies that a woman's sexuality is not of equal worth as a man's, and a virgin woman is more valuable than a woman who has had sex even one time. And that is some fucked up shit. It is. It is. And it's heartbreaking. And you'll see how it impacted us because the confusion of the message, even when you were mentioning that Jesus was a virgin, the confusion of the message is now you're married. How do you go from this is the most holy state you can be in to now have I compromised? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because now I'm supposedly the marriage bed is undefiled, but there's definitely still a war I know that was within my heart on how to bring those two together. Right. Mm. So here we are, Sharon. We're back on the P trail at pain. (laughs) Are you ready to get going? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So we could probably divide the pain. And because our stories are so vast and go through so many decades, we're trying to break these up into sizable chunks so that the listener doesn't get dizzy with with everything going on. Right. So the, the pain that we're dividing up is into three stages. The first stage, which would just be the beginning, doing life, Jesus, when we you know got married at LDM. The second stage, growing families, growing discomfort. And then yeah. the third stage, hitting that tipping point of no return, where yeah. eventually it will lead to the parting. Hmm. Notice um, there's no honeymoon stage for either of us, <laughs> right? I mean, we, we sort of went on a physical honeymoon trip, but I don't think we would categorize 
any stage of our marriage as what society typically calls the honeymoon stage? No, not at all. Our marriages did span, I almost made it to 20 years. I think you made it a little further than I. 25, 25. So that's a lot of stuff to cover and leading to the point of where finally came and gave ourselves permission to get a divorce and the gender roles that we played. And it's very, very deep topic. So in order to keep this topic on topic, as far as the purity culture and the sexual development and how that impacted our marriages, we're going to save some of those deep dives for another episode more devoted to divorce. Mm. And so Sharon, I'm going to try to corral you in. Mm. to say, I I mean, how do you distill 20, 25 years of marriage into an hour episode to say where we got where we are? But we we do want to keep the thread of the purity culture, the thread of our sexual development, the thread of how we performed sexually in our marriages to the point that then we got out of it and had our first experiences outside of that. All right. You know, this is going to be really hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) It is. But so the beauty is we have more podcasts to do. So we don't have to do it all in this podcast. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You convinced me. All right. So as we said, there is so much to be said about all that stuff and specifically how the fundamental Christian beliefs set us up for that shit ton of problems or pain and absolutely you know what, Tracy, there was absolutely no way it was going to be possible for us to succeed in those marriages. Yep, we'll save the stuff for future episodes. So right now we're going to stick on, ooh, our hot and steamy sex lives, shall we? (laughs) We shall, or should it be the sex lives we had and didn't have? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And then then discovered. And and then then discovered. discovered. Yes. So getting on to that last be the party. So you're getting ahead. You're getting ahead right. of the story. All right. So let's let's unpack the pain. Did you see my alliteration that I did? Are you impressed? Oh, my gosh, woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first stage in my marriage, as you've described it, you know, kind of the beginning, I was basically doing life in last day's ministries and then some years after last day's ministries. Mm-hmm. And again... Let's just reiterate, both of us, both me and my husband, we were coming into this as broken people, you know, we were had kind of messed up childhoods, no really good role models, not our parents, uh, certainly not even Keith and Melody Green. I mean, those were not good role models. And um, yeah, sex, right? That's what you want us to focus on. Okay, so uh, (laughs) I want you to focus on. (laughs) Ah, my blessed Christian married as a virgin sex life. Um, Okay, and let me stop you right there. Jesse, I know that we've asked the listeners to go back to part one and part two, and we've kind of built on our story with our interviews. But both Sharon and I got married in a commune setting. And Sharon got married earlier on. So when you came back to Last Days Ministries, I think only after a day of being married, you came into a commune setting and you were in a bedroom that was off the kitchen that was the community kitchen where people were in and out. So there was definitely not a honeymoon period. And talk about not having role models. Like, how do you (laughs) thrust a young couple into that and say, okay, it's crazy? Well... You know, it is what it is. The, I mean, think about, I'm sure there are other cultures where 
there's less mm-hmm. privacy for newlywed couples and everything else. But yeah, that's probably a whole rabbit trail we don't need to, to go down. So to be clear, I am not in any of this saying that my former spouse was deficient as a lover, right? He, so he, he wanted me to be sexually responsive. He wanted me to have pleasure and orgasms. But for me, sex was mostly about my Christian wifely duty. Mm-hmm. And between us, you know, in, in that marriage, I honestly, I didn't feel a, a deep, vulnerable, authentic, emotional connection. I, I, I didn't feel that between us. And, and I definitely didn't feel a total acceptance of, of who I was as a person. And I've come to learn and understand, you know, that is such a vital part of unlocking any woman's long-term sex drive. And in our other episode, I talked about the dissociation that had begun on that wedding night. And I think that was still often very much at play in our sex lives, married throughout the years. And it may even be that there was more of that dissociation than I can see for myself at this point. So that kind of Mm -hmm. out of body watching yourself thing. There were also certain interpersonal interactions between us, you know, the relationship throughout our marriage that were emotionally very hurtful to me. And of course, that was further suppression of sexual desire. On on the mechanical side in sex, you know what, Tracy, we still weren't allowed to touch ourselves, right? So we can only touch each other, but we can't touch ourselves. And I don't know if that was out of the book or if that was just out of <laughs> assumption, because, hey, if masturbation is wrong, touching yourself and giving yourself pleasure is wrong, does that change yes. just now just because you're married? So we basically adopted, like, we could give each other verbal instruction about what to do oh, wow. to the other, but it was a little bit awkward, <laughs> okay? But I am absolutely not touching my clit. He is absolutely not touching himself. So, uh, I mean, at least at least when we were together. And I, I didn't have any temptation to masturbate on my own, and, and I never did. It was a very different and ongoing struggle for him, and, and it was often hidden, and I know that carried a lot of shame for him. And again, oh my God, it's like that just shows he was just as much a victim of this whole purity culture bullshit. It was just a different flavor of victim, right? It was a different flavor. And did you, if he struggled, and I know we were taught to confess that so that we could um, you know, be healed from that. I don't know if at some point in your marriage, you started confessing that. Did it make you feel like you were not adequate or that he was stumbling because you were not being everything that you were supposed to be? I didn't necessarily feel that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I think I did because I basically, I never said no, Tracy. Mm. Never. My entire marriage, I never said no to sex. And I didn't do it like begrudgingly either because I'm like, I'm all in for Jesus, right? And I don't remember many times of confession from him. I do remember finding things. I remember finding rented pornography VHS tapes. I remember finding printed out pornography photos. And I felt bad for him. I felt upset because of like hypocrisy. I do remember one time that he asked me to like shave or really trim down my pubic hair. 
And I knew that that had to have come from the pornography he was watching. And that did make me feel like a bit objectified, I think. Yeah, and we were taught that masturbation was self-pleasuring and that we're actually depriving our spouses. If we do it, we should be right leaning on our, our spouses to pleasure us. Mm-hmm. And even if then he is looking elsewhere to be stimulated, our teaching told us that was wrong. Like, you know, I've right. grown into a, a lot more liberal thinking right now. Right, as far of as course, of course. Sex drive. But at that time, it was such a slight of you it are was. depriving me. You are getting your pleasure from, you know, an, an area outside of God's chosen well, way. I, I didn't feel necessarily deprived because remember, I'm not I'm not one walking around with a big sex drive myself because of all the reasons we already talked about. But it did on a subconscious level, and I can look back and I can see it now, it did make me feel less than. It made me feel that there was something sexually inadequate you know, my sexual attractiveness was not as great as the women he enjoyed looking at. So that Mm. was, that was definitely there. You know, we, we had no sex toys, no sex play. I don't think foreplay was anything we even really talked about. I mean, there'll be a little bit of it. And of course, still lots and lots of lube to the point I think I mentioned before, like, we would literally joke about we should buy, we should buy KY jelly by the gallon, because... Wow. You know, it, it's also funny stuff like I or funny or or not funny. I didn't learn until decades later with other men that like nipple stimulation was actually a thing and could be totally <laughs> mind blowing. Right? It's like, oh, my God, that you mean that's a little button and that's what it does. <laughs> oh, because you guys weren't sharing with each other and probably didn't know about your own bodies because of everything we'd been taught to even suggest such a thing. Like, oh, right. It, that would never have occurred to me. I didn't even know it was possible. I mean, nipples were for nursing babies. That's what they uh, were for. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, that was among other things that I later discovered. And, uh, okay, I, I'm not going to go there. Get in case. Get in <laughs> well, and also, just in case any of our kids are actually listening, <laughs> well, we don't have to go into all the details. So, <laughs> um, huh. you know, I, I did, I had, I had occasional orgasms in the marriage. But again, you know, not allowed to touch myself. So orgasms are limited to if and when he can get it just right. You know, that is like a horrible pressure on any man. You know, I I would imagine he would struggle with feeling, is he adequate? And and it's just unfair. It's just unfair. So, you know, the physical mechanics worked. The, you know, the whole mechanisms of sexual arousal in our physiology and our nervous system. So, so they worked, but hey, hey, I got a, a question for you, Tracy. Did you ever fake an orgasm just to try to help speed things up and get it over with? You know, I, I, I have to confess, I did think about it from time to time and I was tempted, but I didn't do it because in my conscience, that would be lying. That would be lying. Well, I have to congratulate you that you actually had some orgasms in, I assume, a missionary (laughs) position in the way we were taught, because I did not. Uh, I was basically sexually dysfunctional. And I, I felt so bad and felt so guilty about it. And, you know, even 
TV shows, even though we didn't have a TV for a while, but you heard the jokes about <clears throat> women faking orgasms. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know how to fake one because I'd never had one. So- <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what I would think about was, what is it? Harry meets Sally when she's eating the salad. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is is that really what one is like? Because I've never come close to that. And I would feel ridiculous trying to fake something like that because it would be so out of character. Oh my me. gosh. That's funny. You know what that reminds me? It's like the orgasms I had in my marriage, I was never vocal. I never know. I mean, I was just, I was quiet, you know, I was just, just quiet. But later in life with other partners and lovers, Oh my God, There, well, you have a great orgasm. You cannot be quiet. At least I can't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So maybe now you'd know how to fake one, but. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'd be like, what? what am I thinking? This is the mystery, the mystery. Wow. And, you know, and so I was like you, you know, taught whatever you do, do with all your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was all in as much as I'm all in. Uh, but I often likened it to going to the gym or going to work out. Like, oh, nobody wants to work out. You don't want to work out. But once you put your clothes on, you go there and you get going, you know, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. So it was, I'm going to give my all to this. And then once we got involved, yeah, it was like a workout. It wasn't all bad. I mean, there, you know, it was nice to be touched. It was nice to have certain, you know, feelings. There were definitely swings according to my hormonal cycle where some was better feeling than others, but never orgasm. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember this one time out of the blue, I was grocery shopping and I was in the produce section. And I don't remember if it was I don't remember if it was a cucumber or a zucchini, but I like, I I was probably like in my mid thirties and I picked this thing up just grocery shopping for my family. And all of a sudden there was like this sexual like rush. And (laughs) I was, I know, I know. Right. (laughs) And I was, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that was like weird to me. Anyway, I, I look back on that now with a lot of amusement at my naive, silly self. Wow. Do you know if you were between babies at that point? Oh, I'm sure I was. I'm sure I was. Who knows? Maybe I was in ovulation cycle. Who, who knows? Who yeah. knows? But, and, <laughs> and then there was this uh. one other time. It was, it was a one-time only thing. While we were having sex, and you're right, it was always in the missionary position. I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I'd be on top, but it was just basic vaginal sex. We're having sex. I'm in my mid-30s again. And I had this thought that I would like to try something, let's just say a little kinky. And I totally surprised myself. Like I shocked myself by having that thought. And oh my God, man, I shut that way. I mean, I just shut that down. And I was totally confused. Like, where did that come from? And I never mentioned that to him. I never mentioned that to anyone else. Until now, to the whole world on our podcast. On your pod, can you tell me what the thought was? No, I'm not going to say that. My kids might be listening. Oh, I mean, hopefully they have healthy sex lives. So, okay, (laughs) you really want me to say it? You really want me to say it? I do. Yeah. Okay. So it felt like. We all need to hear this. (laughs) Okay. So it felt like 
It would be nice to feel a little something in my ass. Oh, yeah. That, is that, that different than what you thought? thought? No, is that different no. than what you thought I was going to say? <laughs> no, I think the physiology tells us there is a point in there that can actually stimulate orgasm. So yes, no. but we would not have known that at all. Not then. But that's back yeah. to like those nipple buttons. There, there are buttons in different places of your body that you never knew existed. <laughs> wow. No, that, and, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you, you for know, sharing that with the world. You're welcome. <laughs> I really appreciate that. But no, on the serious side, that's why I think these conversations are so good because just even the fact that there would be any shame in that, even now, or embarrassment, it's like, this is our bodies and yeah. our you know, yeah. our anus, as well as our others definitely are there to explore and to feel pleasure and that there's still so much taboo around. There. Yes, we're just trying to, to, to change that up. So if that's something you all want to try, go out there and try. <laughs> you know what, <laughs> something just occurred to me. Okay, so, you know, the only things that seemed quote, right, were going to be basic vaginal mm-hmm. and, and also oral sex, right? We were we were pushing the edge in the envelope, because I remember that book we read, <laughs> making a big deal that okay, anything within the within the construct of a godly marriage, anything that both the husband and wife are okay with and agree to that's okay. And that's blessed by God. And but I always interpreted that message seemed to be vaguely trying to hint around oral sex. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it came out and said it, but I, I didn't remember that. But here's what's just occurring to me right now. And I'm glad you pressed me to talk about how something in the ass can feel good. I bet you that a lot of the Christian world doesn't want to think about that or go there for women, because then they have to think about it and go there for men. And now you yes. open up the whole question of legitimacy of the homosexual experience. And that'll be a whole nother topic, I know, but I'm just connecting the dot for myself right here and now. Well, good. I'm glad you connected it because that's absolutely true and shows you how these books are so limiting. And you're right, not even in, in recent history have they been turning books in some small townships and cities that oral sex was actually illegal. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So I don't think the books came out and absolutely stated it because still there was so much taboo in so many circles. Yeah. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the sex in the first stage of your marriage. In the first stage. So we, we got off on rocky ground, as I shared in episode two. So please go back and listen to that. Uh, I think I got as far as talking about our wedding night. And you'll remember that though I felt like I had failed, I was comforted by, I have my whole life. We have our whole Mm -hmm. life. We have our whole honeymoon and we have a whole life to work this out. And that was something that the book kind of emphasized. And like, isn't that a beautiful story that two people can come without experience and together learn together and kind of always share that. And there was a part logically that I thought, yeah, I kind of like that idea. You know, we're going to be growing and learning together and this is going to be great. So I, I, I was like, okay, let's 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 see how the honeymoon goes. <laughs> um, I had gone back. You know, my church in El Paso uh, was was a pretty fundamentalist church, but I think they also read the part of the book where it says anything within a godly marriage is okay, and they threw me the ladies a lingerie shower before I got mm-hmm. married. 
And Mm. I was so excited about this because again, I had said in the last episode, I was still a seventies girl. And so I was looking forward (sighs) to this, you know, being some fun. (laughs) And, you know, I got some fun lingerie. I got teddies and very sexy things. And so it was cool. And I don't know if our our listeners know what a peignoir is, but a peignoir is more of a fancy piece of a two-piece lingerie with a very see-through kind of robe. And of course, like a, a foolish, silly girl, when I had come back home after that shower, I showed my dad, look at all my gifts that I got. <laughs> <laughs> and he just pursed his lips when I saw the turquoise teddy. And he's like, that's just trashy. Your mother would never wear something like Aww. that. Oh, and I no. remember being being crushed. And at this point for our listeners, which we'll get into in another episode, my mother had already passed. So she wasn't Mm -hmm. around anymore. So it was just my father. And I remember consciously thinking, well, I'm glad I'm not hung up like those Catholics are hung up. I'm glad I'm going to be able to have a good sex life. So I was still very much looking forward to some fun. Right. so one of the things that I I kind of knew about myself from my theater days, but really developed that I ended up knowing about myself later is that I love a good costume. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> that's that's another thing we share. And um, hey, you know what? We, we should go back and repost those pictures that we took from our Rocky Horror Picture Show costume oh, party. Yes. <laughs> Put them up on that Instagram account you created. <laughs> Yes. And for those of you who wonder what we're talking about, that is Instagram feetofclay.coltsisters. And <laughs> Sharon's getting ahead again. That was part of the after party. Because oh, sorry, at that sorry, point, sorry. At that point, none of us had seen that uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was a No, that's not true. Oh, that's really? not true. <gasps> I had, I had seen, seen it. it. I had <gasps> seen it when I was 16 years old and I had joined the drama department at the university of Arizona. And it was when I was a little bit backslidden and we would go, we would go at midnight on Saturday Mm -hmm. nights. And I loved that movie. It was Mm -hmm. so much fun and funny. And of course that was one thing that throughout my entire Christian life, even when I got back with Jesus, I always had this secret, like, I really like that movie. It's really fun. I don't see what's wrong with it. And of course yeah, they didn't quite fit with our Christian values, did it? <laughs> wow. That's probably why you had orgasms in the missionary position. <laughs> and I never did Because I never even had that. Because <laughs> I also was in drama, which is all part of our parallel journey. And mm-hmm. our drama team also went to the showings every Saturday night at midnight. And I abstained because I was a good you... abstinence girl. You were such a much better Christian girl than me, without and so a doubt. I never saw it, but I always wanted to, which will factor in later as we get going. So okay. back to my honeymoon and this okay. amazing fun time that I'm supposed to be having with all this great lingerie. And, you know, I had told in the last episode, you know, I got my body in good shape. I was very pleased with where I was at. And so I went into the bathroom and I came out in one of the teddies. And if you don't know what that is, you guys can look it up. But uh, <laughs> and he was not that into it. He just I could tell, you know, I'm a very much taking it from nonverbal cues. And I think so much so that I was brave enough to say, you mm. don't like this or what don't you like about that? And all he said was, well, I would just prefer that you had nothing on. You don't need to even bother with that. 
And again, I was crushed. I was crushed. Oh, Tracy. Oh, (laughs) Um, my God. That is just, wait, 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 just one moment. I mean, that is just, here you are, you're this young bride, Mm -hmm. you are wanting to be sexy and desirable, and you're making this effort for your husband, and it's basically a shrug of the shoulders. It's basically the shrug of the shoulders. Oh. And it it did pierce. It did definitely pierce. I recognized that it pierced. And there was, again, this weird confusion, like so much of the Christian messages, because he didn't say, I don't want you go away. He said, well, I would just prefer nothing on. I'm like, okay, so in one sense, is he telling me that my body is just so much better than being covered up? So should I not be offended by that? Because... You know, I was confused. Should Mm -hmm. I be hurt? Should I be offended? Or should I be flattered? (laughs) But the real you in your subconscious, you took it as something very painful, because that's the reality of what it was. You had to maybe color it over with some Christian speak. But you knew that it was rejection. In your heart, you knew that. Yes. And much later, I would realize a rejection of who I am, the fun that I'm trying to bring to the table, Mm -hmm. the element of the foreplay that I would like to participate in, Mm -hmm. um, how to be able to enjoy, you know, like unwrapping a present, like who just goes in and gives a Christmas present Mm -hmm. from the closet, Mm. you wrap it, you make it, you know, a presentation. And so that's where my head was at. And so, yeah, it it was Mm. um, hurtful. So what I, I never even, I think we had a 10 day honeymoon, which is pretty, you know, long and good. I never put another piece of lingerie on. I packed it all back into the suitcase. And from that honeymoon on, I wore one of his big t-shirts to bed. And Mm. I can probably count on my hands through the rest of the marriage, maybe when I had pulled something out for fun, but never, never got use out of all that lingerie shower. That is so sad. That is just so sad. And of course, I think it was two weeks after we got married, I was already pregnant anyway. So it kind of was convenient to wear a big t-shirt to bed because soon I wasn't feeling sexy or pretty. And then my body was going through changes that I didn't recognize. Right. So, Wow. Wow. And I guess we're still in the beginning part. And I know this is all going to sad. I, I know we've said it so many caveats, but it's it's not to throw anyone under the bus. I think also learning how you all, you know, your personality in the sexual realm. I didn't know mine and all of these things now. And if I had been more confident, I could have definitely said, well, you're, you know, sorry about that. Maybe you're going to look at, you know, I could have done things that I would do now at the time, mm-hmm. but I was very young and naive and I just took these hurts and kind of, kind of held them close and walked away. And, you know, fast forward to our first anniversary. So I'm just saying we didn't have a, didn't have a honeymoon period where we were so in love and just couldn't keep our hands off each other. That didn't happen. And our first anniversary was the next marker of deep, deep pain for me that we had, you know, a baby because I got pregnant. So Mm -hmm. I already had, Mm -hmm. I got, my first baby was born in October. So our anniversary was in December and, you know, we have a baby in tow to go out to dinner and try to, to celebrate this anniversary. And I'm still 
I think I'm still kind of healing from a first baby by that time. I think we'd already started having sex after the baby period, but it definitely, you know, my breasts are full of milk and it was <laughs> definitely a hindrance mm-hmm. to what I would expect a wild sex life to be. And so we came home after dinner, you know, got in bed and we're doing the the dutiful, this is my anniversary sex. And I could feel he was a hundred miles away from me, a hundred miles away. Hmm. And I guess I was brave young girl because I asked the question that I probably wouldn't ask. I would never ask again, but I asked the question because I could just feel that he wasn't present with me. And I pulled back a little bit and I said, are you thinking of somebody else right now? And he, to his credit or (laughs) not credit, answered truthfully, yes, I am. And I knew who that person was because he had written about that person in his journal. And she had been a former sister at the community um, last days. And I, again, was crushed. And of course, that wrecked any mood. And I think he felt terrible. And, you know, looking back at these two young people, I feel terrible for him because I think he's been kind of convinced to be in this marriage and trying to do his part, but not having the feelings that he's supposed to be having. I'm, you know, feeling that those feelings, so it's making me lock away all the more. And, uh, you know, that was ending up being a very big kind of bomb in my own heart, in my marriage. I had to go to have quiet time. I had to go away, you know, with the Lord. I did think I should just pack up my baby and leave. I'm going to get out of this marriage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were under the belief system that the devil, the devil is out to break people up. And, you know, my mom had had a baby before she married my dad and left her first husband and that baby. And so I was convinced that this was a generational curse that it was up to me to break. Oh my <laughs> so goodness. I, I was, you know, determined. It was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for this marriage. I'm going to fight for my baby. I'm going to fight for my life. It's not about my happiness. It's about serving Jesus, which we've, you know, went into great length in our second episode. So that's the first year of my marriage, Sharon. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what words to say because that level of pain is just, I don't know, Tracy, it's like unimaginable to me. I mean, there you are in the arms of your husband on your first anniversary, you've got a baby and he's thinking about someone else and you're right kind of to his credit because we're all supposed to be honest and not we're tell lies. We're supposed but, to be honest. But oh my God, that reality He's, quote, making love to you or going through the motions of sex and fantasizing about another woman that he actually cares more about. That's just, that's devastating. There just aren't words for that. I, I, I am so sorry for that happening to you. Well, well, thank you. And I, you know, there was a turning point with that belief system of Jesus has to be enough. Mm-hmm. and he can put a love in a heart where there isn't love. And we ended up going on to have some pretty honest conversations about that. And he was, you know, definitely committed to trying to let God fan that love in his heart. Mm-hmm. But that also hurt. Like, why, why do you have to work so hard to love me? Right, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. 
All right. Well, that's that was your first stage of pain. That was my first stage of pain. So for the right. listeners, it, it's not all that painful. Eventually, I buck up. I'm like, okay, we're just going to do this marriage. So it's not. It's less all bad. Right. <laughs> as it goes all right. on. All right. Well, let's let's move on to our second stages: the the growing of emotional and mental discomfort. Although, oh my God, how do you top that? And then our our <laughs> third stage of that tipping point of no oh. return. Yeah. Um. All right. Do you want me to go first? I do because you are the older one. I was going to say age before beauty, but that's kind of mean. <laughs> this is again where I say, fuck you, Tracy. Fuck you, exactly. Tracy. <laughs> All right. Well, so I guess it's like 1987. I'm, I'm in my mid-20s. And I had actually just given birth to our second child. And he comes back from Pennsylvania from a wedding that he had performed some old last days people that had left and were getting married up in that Lancaster area. So he comes back so excited to share with me. I have to this- stop you. I have yeah. to stop you. I have to stop you. It's Lancaster. What and did I if say? We have any listeners in that area, you said Lancaster and that's just no. So okay. I have to stop you. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> okay. Carry on. So he comes back from that, Amish crazy world with this message that he's so excited about <laughs> that we should no longer use birth control. We're going to we're going to trust God. We're going to be even stronger Christians because we're going to let God decide our family size. And like I said, I mean I had just given birth to our second child. We'd been kicked out of last days ministries just a few months before. We're living with his sister in California because we have nowhere else to go. He's got no job. We have no insurance. And like, oh my God, we're going to start having more babies. <laughs> and that. Hallelujah. You were the convert. Oh, so- we were very happy because we were living that way out of the gate, out of our marriage. And there is a thing of misery loves company. So- <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, how can godly people not see it this way? Because this is the way to see it. So hallelujah. Beep. Oh, my God. See the light. Well, he saw the light and I did the dutiful wife thing. <laughs> I was not, I mean, I did feel guilty, like, okay, that's logical. I guess I should trust God. But I'll tell mm-hmm. you what, it made me want to avoid sex all the more to avoid getting pregnant. And it made me want to nurse my baby even longer because I'd heard that, you know, hey, nursing suppresses ovulation, and <laughs> which, yeah, not always true. But I remember not joking. I think you and I joked about it at some point. I'm like, yeah, I think the answer for us is our kids will be getting off the bus, off the school bus, coming home from kindergarten. And I'm going to say, get over here quick, kids. Start sucking on this titty because I'm going to nurse you till you're 10 years old. <laughs> um, yes, um, I do remember you joking about that. And, you know, the funny thing is, is, the whole point of being able to trust God with your family size is it's such a blessing. You're welcoming them. You're eager about this. And so we're starting to have conversations of how do we still not have babies? <laughs> <laughs> how do we 
actively prevent but, it without actively that, preventing. Yes, in a way that's not going to piss God off. <laughs> so dangerous. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so like any sex drive is now even more suppressed because of the fear of pregnancy. In 1989, my third child is born, and that's the same time that I'm starting a small home-based business. And hey, wait, wait, wait. Let, let me just say, I want to say this loud and clear. I love each and every one of my five kids. You guys, if you're listening, I'm not sure if I want you to be listening or not. You are, <laughs> you are the lights of my life. I get teary with joy and my face hurts from smiling when I think of each and every one of you. So I would not undo this for the world. So I just want to make totally go on record on that. Ditto, ditto, ditto. <laughs> um, but, and we do want to recognize that this is another subject in and of itself that we are going to cover on future podcasts as far as what happens when you don't use birth control and the financial impact and the emotional impact and the sex life impact and all of that. But again, we're corralling this to the one thread that's going into the the sexual appetite, the sex drive, right. how we're performing, you know, in that arena. And this definitely has an impact when you're nursing and having babies every yes. couple years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not sure which one of us wins <laughs> wins on this. Okay, because we both I had think- five kids. We both had five kids. My last two were twins. Mm-hmm. You had five pregnancies. I had four pregnancies. I'm not sure which one of us wins. Maybe we'll put it out to the listeners and let them vote on it later. But I'm just just saying. Okay. Yes. In and 19- I always tell people, well, Sharon cheated because she did two two for one. <laughs> and yes. I had to go through five long pregnancies, but I guess you birthed them both. So Okay. Uh, yep. But here's the thing. So I, I had the twins in 1991. And after that, I came to a very profound conclusion. I decided I did not care what God thought. I was not having any more kids. Rebellious woman. (laughs) I know. Rebellious woman. So I told my husband, and I I think I basically said something to the effect of, I don't care who you have sex with, but if you ever want to have sex with me ever again, you're going to have to have a vasectomy. Wow. Yeah. And he prayed about it. (laughs) Guess what, Tracy? God changed his mind and birth control was now okay. Isn't that a miracle? Oh, God's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Love love that God. (laughs) So he did, he had the vasectomy. He had the vasectomy. So that took at least took the fear of pregnancy out of the sex equation. But, you know, my, my general sense was that I never really lived up to his expectations or demands. Mm-hmm. I, I, I felt all the time I was, I was not a good enough wife. I was not a good enough mother. I was not a good enough business person. And most of all, I just was not a good enough Christian. And all those feelings, of course, are more nails in the coffin, the death of sexual desire. And something I've learned since is I think there are two things that are really needed, for me at least, to feel connected and authentic and to have my sexuality be able to be freely expressed. And that is, number one, to feel desired, not just physically, Mm -hmm. but to feel desired and to feel safe. And that would be emotionally, psychologically, and physically. 
And I, I did definitely feel desired by him on that physical level, but I didn't feel safe on that emotional or psychological level. But then you know what, Tracy, based on what you've just said, I, I think for you, you didn't even really feel desired physically by your husband, right? No. And we can get into, I think, how Christianity prepares you even for that physical desire, because there's a way that your body can feel desired, but your whole being is not desired. And, Mm. you know, I think that's part of what you're talking about as far as really being valued. And then the sexual expression is born from that. But Mm -hmm. for me, I could never shake the fact that he wasn't that into me. And, and it was a real quandary for me. We ended up talking about it from, you know, periods of time. Like I said, I think whatever the Bible verses where, is it Elijah or Elisha where he calls the dead man bones and they put flesh on? Don't on remember them. which one. We'll, yeah. we'll add that in the show notes, but that was like a problem. Promise of God to us. That's why I think about them like what a fucked up verse to have just kind of like you know, that our our relationship could be like the dead man that God could call forth and put flesh on oh. and make because oh. that's where we were at. And he was acknowledging that that that's you know that he didn't mm. have the feelings that he knew that he should have. And one day, hopefully, he'll be able to share that part of his story of why that was. I don't even know necessarily Mm. why, except for that he had perhaps just become so locked away because of this purity message that he could never resurrect that. Or maybe it was just me. I don't know. Um, Um, But there was in, obviously, you have almost 19 years of marriage and hormonal cycles going on. So there definitely were a couple of times, and there were a handful, when I can remember you know, and again, I'm approaching it with, you know, whatever you do, do with all your heart. And I was enjoying it. And this was such a great feeling for me. And it made me feel better as a woman. Mm. And I could tell he was enjoying it. As a matter of fact, I know one of our children was born as a result of this. And I'll always remember that night. And I, I was so happy because I thought we maybe had broken through some barrier. And this was, you know, later at night. And then the next day, he was so mean to me, like mean. <laughs> he wait, was wait, wait. Snapping he, at me. He was he was mean and angry. He was mean and impatient and angry, as though he really resented. This is what I put, you know. To like I said, he might be able to share what was going on. I could only observe. What I observed is he let himself go to a physical place, which involved what we would call lust, lasciviousness and feelings. And he seemed to the next day to feel so guilty about that or to reject that, that Mm. he took it out on me. And so much so that I talked to him about it. I said, I'm noticing it seems when we have a good time together, you seem to react against me the next day. And he admitted it. He didn't say, no, you're crazy. He admitted it. And he basically said he would pray about it. But we never, ever had more conversations about that. I was starting to give up because like, I can't Mm. make him figure out what this is. And uh, he never came back to me. And so that was, again, something I was just, you know, we have a very busy household. I have 10 years. I think, you know, I had 
five kids in 12 years, I think it was. So I was often pregnant, often nursing, going through that whole cycle. So it was a busy time to default to, I think we did sex once a week, maybe twice when there was a real big break between babies. And Mm. that was something I signed up to do. He didn't ask for more and we stopped talking about it, but it was my lot in life. I mean, it was something that I was like, okay, this, this is my life. Yeah. Wow. So I just learned to lock that part away and he didn't come calling very often because, you know, we had a busy household. Uh, It was very much an act that I never could shake that I was the body available to perform this act. Not that I was Tracy who was me Mm. and I didn't expect anymore because, you know, I'm in this marriage for life. However, I did think there was something wrong with me. I, you know, I was asking him questions about certain things, but I was very much aware of my sexual dysfunction. And so, you know, I'm not working. Like, I don't feel like I work. And so during this middle time of marriage, uh, he had gone away for a a basketball camp and I was actually staying at his parents because it was, you know, in the same town that his parents lived in. And I remember being in their back guest room and saying, all right, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out if this is me (laughs) and maybe there really is something broken with me and I need to like go for medical help. And I remember weighing, you know, masturbation is wrong. Even though I'm married, even if my husband were with me, it might not be so wrong, but I'm by myself, I'm giving myself pleasure. But I remember making the, the, the logical decision of if I can help fix myself, it will be better uh-huh. than committing this sin. And so I, I mean, I can vividly remember the old antique bed, just the environment, because that would be the first orgasm I ever experienced in my life. And I think I was 30. 30 years old. Okay, wait, did you you then sing, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah? I could have sang hallelujah. Um, I was in his parents' house. (laughs) So I had to, to be somewhat quiet, but I was so grateful that I don't even know if I had started reading a lot about, you know, the, the anatomy of where it's all supposed to be, but I could feel that, you know, going to get graphic here again, folks, that I, that I definitely got wet, that the excitement was mounting, that I was able to stimulate myself until that almost like hot liquid just started pouring out over my legs. And I had never, ever felt that release or that sensation. And it was like, oh my God, this is what people are talking about. This is what people are saying. Tracy, Tracy, (laughs) Tracy, was it as good as your worship with Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was better. And I could actually consciously say that because up until then it you know that worship is a sense of being transcendent in your your head and not to say that an orgasm doesn't involve your brain but it definitely had a physical stimulation that my body responded to and so I was encouraged that I wasn't broken yay 
And, but you know, I never told, I never told my spouse at the time about this. I never told him I hadn't orgasmed. I think I told myself that it would make him feel inadequate, but I, Mm. I was too embarrassed. It was just something we weren't talking about. And so, So, and then I figured, okay, so now I know where it is. Maybe I can help guide him to maybe make that more accessible to me when we do our sex act. So I will say when we do our sex act, that's kind of how it was. Um, was it costumed when, and choreographed? It was kind of scheduled. You know, the, ki- the kids, you know, were, especially Sunday afternoon, that was like, they're supposed to go in their rooms and take a nap. Yeah, it was kind of scheduled. Yeah, okay. And And I was successful sometimes. I would say that I never had one as full as by myself in mm-hmm, marriage mm-hmm. with him in the sex act okay. with him. But I I believe that it wasn't just me, you know, he's we have work to do on that. And so yeah, the second stage is I guess a longer period because the marriage ended up being pretty long. We were the stable couple as the other couples you know, I don't know that if we've said it on this episode, but many former Last Days Ministries couples ended up moving to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. To Lancaster. To, to Lancaster. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> to form our own community, our own church community. And, you know, since my ex and I were counselors and on leadership in Last Days, we had... You were directors at the school. We were, were directors, were directors. At the school. Yeah. So we were kind of leaned on for a lot of counseling. We ended up doing a lot of counseling by phone. You know, even so me, now, even me. Even but we'll get you. to that. We'll get to we'll that get later. To Can, that. Continue with your sex story, please. Continue with my sex story. So I now feel like I'm not broken. We have our scheduled time. I am more convinced that you know I can you know, help guide this um, appendage that he has into the right places. And I don't know what made us, you know, like your crazy story of having a thought. I don't know if I did it or if we talked about it, but all of a sudden (laughs) I either put my mouth on his penis and he Mm. loved it. And (laughs) it was super great for me because I'm out of the show now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I know that sounds awful, but (sighs) the the pressure is off me and I can absolutely do this. And then he's happy. He's happy with me. We can go to bed. It can be over. And it was, that's great. We, it's like, okay, this is a much better. (laughs) Okay. Wait a second. (laughs) Wait a second. I got to say something here because we we will talk about your, your, your counseling, your, your marriage Ah, counseling for me, but I do remember talking with you at some point and call it counseling, call it sharing. (laughs) I remember talking with you about the finer points of giving a blow job. And I remember, I remember your spouse later, we were, I don't know where we were all together, but I remember him coming up to me and winking and smiling and saying, Hey, thank you so much for helping my wife. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? 
I do, but I remember trying to talk to you even earlier and you seemed like you had a great sex life going at the time. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to say, I think I was like, we struggle. And you, and I, you may have said lube, lube. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Covers a multitude of sins. You may have said that. <laughs> like, we got the lube going. It's not that. Uh, but oh. I do remember that. And I can't remember what phase that was in. But It must have been before you had oral sex. Or maybe right at the beginning. It must have been. It must have been. Because and- I, I remember him actually coming I do very totally I do crediting me with coaching you yes. so that he could now yes. have blowjobs. And he was very happy. Yes, I do remember that. And I remember feeling a little embarrassed that it was still so like a wink and a nod. That's just Mm -hmm. my thing. And Mm -hmm. I remember being a little embarrassed by that. But we did talk in bed of like, weren't we like the kinkiest Christians we knew? Because it's so crazy. Because we would start going through the couples. We don't think they do this. We don't think. Okay, this wait, wait. The, does this. All right, all right. So you're giving him blowjobs. Is he going down on you? So he definitely was willing to do that, and I didn't like it, Sharon, mm-hmm. a lot. Okay. So you got to be into so, like you got to be sexual to me. <laughs> You have to be sexually aroused. I mean, that's, I think, one of the key learnings is that (sighs) just going straight for the genitals or the clit or the erogenous zones for a woman prior to arousal and desire building, it's, it's no, that's not the start button. That is not the start button. And it doesn't feel good unless your engine's already revving. Uh, Yeah, good, good point. Where were you when you were giving us that counsel? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it was, it was. I I learned that later, Tracy. Tracy, I learned that later. (laughs) And I I have as well. But at the time, I think a lot of my hangups was it all felt very staged and clinical. And mm-hmm. so at that point, it's like, this is now something I'm supposed to do for you and you're supposed to like it. And I didn't love it. And so I would conveniently redirect it. And then he was mm-hmm. doing his thing. And so then it worked out. And so it was okay. I think then. It was yeah. okay. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that that's not, it's not my favorite thing. But the fact that our mouths were even going on genitals, we thought we were just you like, were radical. Yeah, we were you radical. You were and, radical. <laughs> and I knew we knew you did because you had, you know, talked to us about that. But we're like, yes, we, we were trying to go through the couple's names of people that we didn't think did that. Because as we'll go through in another part of our story, we had some of the most unhealthy marriages that came out of last days. Absolutely. Yeah, some of the most unhealthy marriages that would later start to fall apart in catastrophic ways. Yeah. And so, um, we may have been, we may have been the kinkiest couple. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, on that, on that counseling thing, I do remember years later and, and maybe, yeah, it was at, it would have been after that, probably in the mid nineties, maybe even late nineties, I would call you and your spouse and, and I'd beg and we'd get my husband and I, I would demand that we get a phone call, a conference call with the two of you. Cause I was desperate for help and counsel. Mm-hmm for our relationship issues and the marriage conflict. So 
you know, I tried to help you in your sex life and you tried to help me in my emotional life. So I used to say that to myself and maybe to God and pray prayer uh, is that if I just never had to have sex again with him, we would have a great marriage. Uh, hmm. We get along, you know, we can talk. We aren't super clingy or dependent. He gives me my freedom. I give him his freedom. We were, as I would learn later, a lot like brother and sister living together. And so we had right. an affection. We had, you know, gone through a lot of life's phases together, but there just was no sexual chemistry. Well, at that all. would be great roommates, not great marriage. Yes. Yeah. And so because yeah. of that, because we did have those skills of getting along and we weren't fighting and we, you know, tried to be kind to one another and prefer one another, we became like the stable couple of the home group as the counselors trying to help everybody through their problems. And of course, nobody came to us for sexual advice. So it worked (laughs) out. (laughs) So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's my second, that's my second stage. Right. Okay, folks. Yeah, some of you might have guessed this already. We just can't keep it contained. We thought we would get this all done in our third. (laughs) We can't, can we, Tracy? (laughs) No, we cannot. Uh, We thought we'd get this all done in our third episode. But no, we runneth over because we just keep going on and on and on. Just like a volcano, we keep bubbling away with all this hot lava. All right. So we are going to pause here and sign off. And then you're just going to have to wait for the rest of it in episode four. So Tracy, tell everybody where they need to go to follow us and help spread the word about our crazy little adventure here. And I assume that if you're listening to us, you've already found our podcast on whatever platform (laughs) that you have chosen. So please take some time. Good assumption. I'm smart that way. So take some time to rate us if you would and leave a review because that helps us in the ratings and for other people to find us. And then also, if you want to see some of these fun pictures or leave some direct messages for us, go to Instagram, feetofclay.cultsisters, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again, everyone, for hanging in there with us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my God, I hope we're not going to be those grandmothers that just go on and on and on and our kids will roll their eyes and our grandkids will go, oh, holy shit, here she comes. She's going to start talking. (laughs) Hopefully not.